All right, guys, it's time for the next Level Guy Show, a men's interview, interest, and improvement-focused podcast featuring interviews with the greats from all industries to help you better your life. Each week, a new episode features an interview with one of the greats, covering all aspects of their story, from life hacks to tips and protocols that have allowed them to live life on the next level. We then highlight concrete action steps that you can use to improve your life. And now, your host, Ian Dawson McKay. And today's guest is Joel Burgess. Joel is a human potential coach who helps men become all they're capable of being by building an unshakable mind and bulletproof systems. He's an expert in the area of human performance and is ready to help you bridge the gap between who you are now and the person you know you're capable of becoming. In this interview, we discuss how to find your core values in your life, why you should look to consciously inflict stress on yourself every day to help you succeed, how to use the concept of your future self to shape how your present self should act, and so much more. And now, let's get to the interview. Thank you so much for coming on. It's an absolute joy to have somebody that I followed on social media like a stalker. (laughs) (laughs) But for people who maybe don't recognize the name, could you give a quick introduction and why you're changing lives? Mm, Yeah, so my name is Joel Burgess. I am a high-performance coach. Um, I work mainly with men, uh, helping them develop their mindset, systems, discipline, routines, habits, all that kind of good stuff. Uh, And why am I changing lives? Um, Well, it's it's what gives me meaning. It's what gives me purpose. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it really is what gives me meaning. And... I suppose for most of my life, I've been searching for my thing. Uh, I worked in property initially, having kind of having to, you know, end my professional ambitions for playing professional rugby. Uh, was went into the world of property and I never really fell in love with it. Never felt fully aligned with it. I then started my own business. Uh, did relatively well with that as a worked it for four or five years. Again, never felt. Like it was me and I, I was always searching for my thing. And I must be honest, like I thought that thing for me was more money. And I got really good at getting more money at the time. And actually mm-hmm. that just um, masked the pain of like not living aligned with my values. And I actually fell into coaching really kind of out of convenience really to, I wanted to be a better manager for my last business and trained as a coach because I knew that was the way I wanted to lead my business. And as soon as I started, I was like, this is my thing. I felt so aligned with it. I felt alive when I coached. Um, and I just, yeah, it was, it was an immediate connection. And and I just see that there's never, there's always people to help. You know, there's always people to help. And, and I just, um, that's my mission really is, is just to help other other men, other people find connection and start living a fully engaged life where they're living aligned with their values, they're living aligned um, with their heart and, and really pursuing their better self. And and because that's, for me, what a great life is. So, yeah. No, it's a great answer because I think that's something that comes across as like, 
you know, you were saying that you kind of fell into it, but when you go into your social media, it's amazing because you could come away with 20 action steps we could immediately do that change our lives. You know, you're not the hooey fooey stuff, you know, like the, you give straightforward action steps that people can just go, how do I make a plan for my life? How do I sleep better? How do I wake up? How do I feel inspired? And it's amazing, like, you know, and you intersperse it with like your own journey and your own, like, how you find the connection and your 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 beautiful family and stuff like that. Do you see a problem that men come to you with particular similarities and things? I know it's probably you're probably fed up of answering this question, but do you see like people using drink, drugs, technology to hide from that feeling that they should be doing more, but they don't mm. know how, or they find their own why in life? Mm, yeah, it's a good question. I think for me, it's compulsive busyness. And that's really masking the pain of yeah not pursuing the dreams that they know in, that exist inside of them uh and it, it's it's stopping them sort of sit with that discomfort of perhaps not living aligned perhaps not pursuing their dreams perhaps a realization that they've created this life which they don't even want it's just society's told them that this is the life they should want and when they, if they sat with that, it would be painful, it would be uncomfortable. Uh, and people avoid that discomfort through mostly compulsive busyness. Uh, I see just mm -hmm. being on the go nonstop, saying yes to lots of things. And that was really the way I kind of masked that pain as well was compulsive busyness, shopping, alcohol, partying. <laughs> um, but yeah. Because it's a, a thing, isn't it? Is a lot of guys go, no, I don't drink, I'm fine. I only have a few beers when I'm out with friends. Not. But they don't look at all the other bad habits they've built up. That's keeping them like what, you know, it's, what's it? There's a saying about, you know, you're maybe feeling busy isn't a good thing. It's mm -hmm. a sign that your priorities are wrong. You know, you're focusing mm -hmm. haphazardly everywhere. And I really like that because I used to think being busy was a sign I was being successful. Then I realized, no, I've just been a bad project manager, a bad timekeeper, etc. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. How do you find your own core beliefs? Because you're a big component of finding our own true self, our own why in life, not really caring mm -hmm. about the how, that'll take care of itself. How mm -hmm. do we find our own core values? And what was the point that you realized, no, I need more than this? Mm. It's for, for me, a lot of it comes in discomfort it comes in sitting with yourself sitting in silence you know it comes from pursuing things and leaning into discomfort mm. you know stepping into growth and sorry leaning into growth not comfort leaning into growth stepping away from comfort and in that pursuit in that discomfort you start to understand like what you're about, what brings you alive. And, and actually when you start using that discomfort as what I call like reverse indicators, actually that's when you start to understand yourself more. And I'll give you an example. So, um, I used to, I used to compare myself and, and get triggered by the likes of Tony Robbins and Brendan Bouchard and Roman Sharma. And like, it's crazy to say this, right. But they used to trigger me and I used to find myself going like, I could do that, <laughs> you know, or, or whatever. They, they're not that good, you know, and, and it's wild for me to even admit that. But actually, my coach said to me, you know, what exists in them exists in you. 
And that was a really big, powerful moment for me because I was like, wow, that potential exists in me. I wouldn't compare myself against a, a ski jumper or a snowboarder or a darts player because I know that doesn't exist in me. I compare myself to people who actually there's something in them that I can see in me. So actually using that as well, using these reverse indicators of where you compare yourself to others, what, you, what you're fearful of, what you're resisting, using those as reverse indicators to go, actually, that's not what I should avoid. That's what I should lean into and explore. And then just noticing with self-awareness how you feel afterwards in, in that. Um, so that's kind of how I believe we come to our core beliefs, our values. And that's yeah. kind of how I did as well. Because a lot of people struggle with that, you know, like the sitting in silence to actually listen to that internal voice. And I mean, I, I've suffered with depression and I used to go and like struggle and like I would go to a pub and sit because mates were there and I'd be like, mm. I don't want to be here. This isn't me. But because mm. it was like the socially accepted thing and I wasted hours in pubs and that wishing mm. I wasn't there. And I know that feeling of like you're kind of looking around going, yeah, I'm really busy. But it's not what I want to be doing. It's, it's I'm not being challenged. And mm-hmm. how do you kind of start working with somebody to say to them, "Well, look, that's not you know this is what your core beliefs are saying. That's you're just doing what society tells you, what your wife, that your kids, what your friends tell you to do. How do we start ch- the change? How do we find that initial ignition to change our own lives? Mm-hmm. It often it so often comes through pain. You know, pain is a is a big motivator, right? And uh, that's why you'll see on my page, like I'm not all about positivity. And I think mm. there is too much positivity. Um, and actually, we need to leverage negative energy. We need to leverage negative emotions, negative thoughts sometimes, um, because that can be a motivator. That can move us into action. I also, at the same time, believe that, you know, it shouldn't have to take pain. Like, for, for me, it, it was... A bit of luck, but really it was deep pain. Like it was, I was really disconnected to who I wanted to be. And that pain kind of forced me to take action. Um, but I really, I, I don't think it needs to take pain, but it so often does. And actually one thing I, I do with my clients, well, explore with like people who are thinking about coaching is I ask them, what would be the cost of inaction? Because no one thinks about that. What would be the cost of saying the same or, or what would be the cost of, you know, not making any change, not pursuing your dream, not starting that blog, not starting that side business, all these things. Mm-hmm. What would it cost you? Because regrets, we'll all have regrets. We'll all have regrets. And we almost need to choose our regrets. And using that sort of negative thinking, negative emotions is a great way to to, to move us into action. So. Um, I would say, yeah, leveraging some of that that pain, that that negativity, and future pacing that as well. I love it because it's it's rare to hear somebody say you you know use the the bad things you know learn from the bad things because a lot of times it's you know, we all they assume that we're all perfect when they give advice you know and they're or you have to be in a certain position before you can then go to the next level. I hate myself for using these puns, mm-hmm. but. Because it's something like I, I've noticed it's like a lot of guys just don't know what they're doing and they feel worse because they're seeing what they should be. They've been told that what they should be and changing their lives. 
you know, and I, I really was keen to have you on because you talk about building standards, not expectations, you know, making mm-hmm. habits, like building bulletproof habits into changing our lives and unbreakable mindset and things like that. Mm-hmm. And that's something a lot of guys don't have. But I, re- I really liked your idea of looking at your future self and mm-hmm. seeing what, so rather than step, you know, hiding in the comfort zone to avoid a bit of pain and discomfort, mm-hmm. you know, you're stepping out of it. Is that a great way of looking at the future self to kind of think, what will the future self of me want rather than what does the current me want to hide from? Mm, absolutely, yeah. Uh, I think it is Nassim Taleb who says you can summarize personal growth in two words, which is uh, delayed gratification. Mm-hmm. You know, when we learn to make hard choices now, it leads to an easy life. Easy choices now lead to a hard life. And one way for me that I found a really powerful tall mindset shift is thinking about my future self what would he do in this situation how would he be what advice would he be giving me what would be the best thing for me to do now for him and when you start to think in relation to your best self you start to make those hard choices and sure enough your your future self will will be thankful there's a there's a theory called end of history illusion where essentially people believe all their change and growth that has happened this has happened to date and there's no more change in growth to happen but you know mm-hmm. i say to my clients think back to who you were five years ago okay going to be much different different beliefs different values different circumstances everything's gonna be different well think about the person you're going to be in five years it's going to be again totally different and you have two choices one you can live by default and there's you'll have no idea who that's going to be and you're just throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks it's going to be chance who that is. And you're going to be influenced by your circumstances, environment, your conditioning, and you're going to live unconsciously. Who, you're not, you've got no, no ability to, to say who that would be. Living by design, on the other hand, is getting clear on that person, building the systems and the standards that allow you to get there, going all in and kind of letting go of the attachment to that. And that's what I'm all about. It's, it's getting clear on that person and going for that. Like, you're not going to, be exactly the same as that person, but at least you're living consciously. You're living from the inside out where you're designing your environment. You're working with your environment. You're working with your circumstances and you're deliberately choosing. You're consciously choosing who you want to be and your actions that align with your future self. So it makes perfect yeah. sense when you, when you think about it, it's like, you know, you see people try to change their lives without really knowing who they want to be. So they'll mm-hmm. go out and say, I'm going to go and start running. And you go, well, why are you running? What, what, what is this going to benefit? You know, or like they'll, they'll say to, they'll go to a coach and he'll say, go work out in the gym. And you go, do you work? Do you like working at the gym? No. Mm-hmm. Well, why not go and get a, a team sport that you enjoy and you can socially connect other people? And mm-hmm. I really like that idea of looking at yourself and finding out the why. The how will then just come naturally. And you will kind of find it. And I, I liked your idea of creating habits, but building the environment in a way where you kind of had to do them. So like you mm-hmm. wanted to take cold showers. So you turn your thermostat off. You mm-hmm. wanted to read more. So you turn your Wi-Fi off on a timer mm-hmm. to make your environment suit you. Do you think mm-hmm. that's a problem is a lot of people don't have their lifestyle set up to benefit their their hobby, their, sorry, changing their habits and mm-hmm. that they're trying to take habits that, aren't really what they need in their life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think people forget how much of an impact our environment has on us. 
you know, they say you're a product of your environment. It's you're a product of your habits, but you're you're a product of your environment. Your own your environments kind of shape your habits. Hmm. Um, so this is kind of at the heart of living by design. It's about okay, yeah, who is my future self? What kind of behaviors would he do? And then working with your environment to slow boil yourself. You know, to to almost using the tempin bowling analogy, sort of keep you on track that you it's automatic that you're going to come that become that person. And I think the reason why people very few people are willing to do that is because they're just not committed. They're not in love with their future self. They're not totally clear. They haven't got that why. Because when you have that why, that real burning desire to come your future self, you then just get committed. And you make that decision once, like switching the thermostat off, like switching right. the, fire, uh, the, the, the Wi-Fi off. You get fully committed and then the decision's made. You know, and then you, 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 you just, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy where your environment is working with the person you want to be and it's automatic. So, um, yeah, what, once you, once you start living like this, things just become this virtuous circle. Whereas when you're living by default, it's, it's the opposite, you know, your environment sort of drag you down and your actions confirm your suboptimal beliefs and then it can spiral out of control. And then people can wake up going like, hang on a minute, how did I get here? I don't even recognize myself anymore. And do you think that's why people have a problem with like discipline and consistency is that they're taking on something that isn't true to their core beliefs or what they want from life. So they're maybe taking on a, a habit like going to the gym, which maybe isn't what they need in their life or that, mm. you know, they're wanting to take on another habit that sounds good and impressive to others, but isn't. Mm -hmm. so, but, mm -hmm. And if we take habits that are aligned to our values and our goals, will actually, you know, you're just going to do them because it's by design. It's, mm -hmm. It'll just naturally take care of itself. Do you think that's a big sort of part of it? Yeah, I, I think there are many parts to it, um, which I can talk about. But I think absolutely. I think when I work with my clients, like the first thing they'll do is talk about values, getting mm -hmm. them really clear on the values. Once you know your values, you kind of have the bedrock from which to make all your decisions. Values and vision, you know, get those two. You have the formula for living by design. Um, and then, yeah, working backwards from there, and it's very simple. It's like, okay, values, vision. Who is it, who would I need to be to live into those values? What actions? What would I need to do? Who do I need to be? What person would I need to become? And then kind of working back from there. So once you have that emotional connection to the bigger picture, you can then align your actions, your habits, your standards with, with that bigger picture. Um, but I think people aren't, they aren't willing to ask like those questions, like what's important to me? Mm. What is my vision? What do I want to create? Who do I want to be? Because they're just, they're scared. <laughs> they're scared of what it could un un untangle. That, you know, it's going to throw the apple cart, the apple out the apple cart, whatever that saying is. Um, you know, it, it's it's going to throw a cannon, a cannon in the works. It's, I'm throwing all the uh, sayings that are not getting it right. <laughs> <laughs> it's raining uh Cows and monkeys. <laughs> so I used you know to say memes, and people were like, "What the hell is he yeah, about?" Yeah, like, because exactly. I I'd exactly. seen it, but I never heard it, and I was just like, "I yeah. don't say." I usually yeah. say things that fast. People are kind of, I know what I mean in my head, but it doesn't come out yeah. in my mouth. And you yes. see people kind of going, "Yeah, I think I know what yeah. you mean." But no, yeah. I mean, we've been talking almost like twenty minutes, and I can see how you've been so effective because you just have this natural way of connecting and drawing people in and just listening and understanding and it's it's rare to see that i see a lot of guys talking about like 
a lot higher level stuff and they're kind of like you come away and go what did he just say where with you it feels like you can just you're speaking to me as a mate and you're just encouraging mm. me to find my own journey and it's you know you're just helping me along you're not pushing me you're not trying to change me you're there to support me how do we start dealing with you know this is our ego this is our societal pressures you know this is our parental parents pressures how do we start thinking okay this is what i truly want this is my hang-ups and deal with the baggage deal with the bad shit the things that we hate about ourselves because a lot of people are not willing to have that uncomfortable questions mm-hmm. and it's easier just hiding it by through mm-hmm. work or whatever. How do you start working with somebody to really get into the dark stuff to get find their light? Mm, yeah, it's a really good question. And in some ways, I, I don't feel fully uh, in a position to answer that because I've still got so much work to do on myself. Yeah. Uh, I'm all about high performance habits, routines, um, and, I, and I, I've still got a lot of stuff to unpack on myself. Um, so in some ways, I, I don't feel fully in a position to answer that. At the same time, I, I do take, I do facilitate deep insight. And um, I really believe coaching has an amazing place for that. Because yeah. sitting with this stuff on your own is very, very difficult. Uh, to be guided, asking the right questions, to sit in silence. And that's the power of coaching is that you you get asked questions that you just would never ask yourself. And then you, then you hold silence. And there's a lady called Nancy Klein who has a book called, um, I've forgotten the name of the book, but there's a, there's a quote that says that the quality of your thinking is determined by the other, the quality of the other person's listening. And that's one of my main roles as a coach is just to listen, to be fully present with them. And that just allows them to think beyond their fear, beyond the rational mind, beyond their conditioned mind. And it it sort of allows them to silence that and sort of really connect with like what's going on underneath. And, you know, sometimes just holding silence for minutes and minutes and minutes, it allows them to connect to that. It's like, ah, that's what's going on. You know, and that happens so, so often. And when I was trained to be a coach, we, we did this exercise called um, listening like a stone, where we uh, we asked one question, what's on your mind? And we couldn't speak for 15 minutes, but all we had to do was hold space and listen to them. And when it was my turn, I was, I was bawling my eyes out. I had this big realization, big insight. The person asked me, what's on your mind? And that's it. But then they listened with such presence, compassion, non-judgment. And that's the big role of what I do is listen with compassion, no judgment. And if we can learn to do the same with ourselves is listen with, to ourselves without any judgment and just observe the mind, observe the stories, observe the, 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 the stories that are going on. We, and then we are able to really sort of unpack that. But it's that judgment that causes so much of the, the problem because when we start judging, we then avoid that voice, that story, then we run away and distract ourselves with our phones or what have you. Mm-hmm. So um, it's, it's yes, yeah, silence, compassion, non-judgment, um, how I facilitate it. Because it, it kind of rung a bell with me because when I was really bad, I mean, I had been diagnosed with depression, uh, depression. I had gone and I tried speaking therapy 
um, CBT, like cognitive behavior therapy. And Mm -hmm. the thing that came from that was people saying, you're not your thoughts. These aren't like commands. This is just your brain going, well, this is the bias you've had or the beliefs or the things you're talking about. So Mm -hmm. you're obviously looking for them in your life. So I'll pick out these things and realizing that these are just suggestions, but you could change your thoughts. You could change your way of thinking that Mm -hmm. transformed my life. And I couldn't find any podcasts where people were actually talking about, yeah, look, you can be suicidal. You can have committed a crime and, you know, feel the worst person in the world and still become out and go great things in life. You just mm-hmm. need to be open and honest and deal with that and speak to people. And I found a lot of people just don't have that growth mindset. It mm. scares them to kind of to deal with it i mean have you had any sort of issues with have you looked at cognitive behavior therapy um eft like emotional freedom tapping and those sort of things do you find those kind of things help during your teaching uh i haven't no i don't know a huge amount um i I looked into nlp and and hypnosis but never got around to to doing it um but uh yeah i've i've um i've I've experienced emotional breakdowns uh burnout um so my, my understanding is kind of limited to my own experience um mm-hmm. but it's it's with, with with my coaching it's very much kind of high performance looking forward routines discipline yeah i mean that's probably a good thing because you've actually lived that you know you're not just one of these people that talks about it mm-hmm. like you've actually been able to say well this happened to me and people can relate to stories we're like we're social animals so it's mm-hmm. good to hear you say like okay, I had the worst moment by doing this. And somebody could say, okay, maybe it's possible for me to say my worst moment because mm-hmm. we're we're open and nobody's judging each other. Mm-hmm. And I, I found that really impressive that you, you've talked in interviews about support groups, being emotional, finding people to connect with and mm-hmm. like mastermind groups and helping each other. How mm-hmm. do we find those kind of people? How do we look at the, the relationships in our lives that are bad for us, take mm-hmm. out the bad habits? Is it a way of reviewing our life initially like an 80 20 kind of approach or something perhaps mm, yeah that's um yeah i mean i i do think <laughs> yeah 80 percent of our problems are probably created by 20 percent of of the people and um i've personally found like being proactive and finding new groups uh, rather than you know looking at your current network and understanding okay who who do i need to you know, move away from, or who do I need to, you know, and, and I've kind of gone to that route of like, ah, oh, they need to change, they need to come with me kind of thing. And I was very much in that victim mindset. But um, I, I I found my kind of mastermind, but just, just being proactive, going to events, um, speaking and leading by example. So uh, the the mastermind I, I'm in, uh, there's, there's uh, four of us, and I, I met sort of the guy who came up with the idea an event and I just spoke really openly vulnerably at the event not many other men did that day and he saw that he's kind of saw that immediate connection and he came up afterwards and then he shared vulnerably about his current situation and immediately we just got a bond and then we immediately had this connection so I would say you know if you're looking to find your tribe is is you've got to be proactive you've got to go to these events where other men like or, or women like who are having these conversations are hanging out and then just lead by example when you start sharing vulnerably sh- start sharing openly without 
you know, and listening without any judgment, you just get immediate connection. And uh, there are now, you know, numerous men's groups and men's circles and men's events and retreats, which is just amazing. Mm. So I would say, yeah, join those, be, be proactive. And uh, yeah, it's just, I think more men need, need, need other men to, to well, need to surround themselves with other men who are willing to express their emotions and their thoughts and, and then hear the mm. non-judgment, you know, see the non-judgment. No, it's a, it's a very good answer because it's something when I was, I came from a small fishing village and everybody was very much the, you go to the pub, you play football on a Saturday, you get blitzed and then you recover on a Sunday and you go to work. You know, there was no such thing as I'm feeling sad. You know, you, you would all take the mickey out of each other as a way of showing who's dominant, who's masculine. And you're like, so I had to go away and use things like meetup.com where you would go and find like groups who are into blogging, podcasting. You know, it's, it's a great mm-hmm. site, which I highly recommend. And I mm-hmm. ended up going to a new city for a job. And I knew that was a chance to recreate myself. So I found Brazilian jiu-jitsu playing five-a-side football. I found a lot mm-hmm. of like new people by going into things that I was interested in. Not playing the life that I was wanting, but playing the the life that I actually wanted. You know, not mm-hmm. the one that I was pretending to have, but the one I actually wanted. How do you advise mm. people to make that initial step? How do we stop caring what others are thinking and comparing ourselves and actually just stepping up and going, you know, this is me. I'm batshit crazy. I'm weird, but I hap- I'm happy. I'm not the social media that I image that other people make. I'm just me, I'm mm. just Joel, I'm just whoever. How do we stop comparing ourselves, stop caring what others are thinking and just live? You know, how do we step make that initial step, do you think? Mm. Um, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. I, I think what kind of comes up for me is, you know, it starts with self-awareness and it starts with also just getting out of your head. You know, a lot of men are in their head and their head is obviously full of fear and rationale and and conditioned mind and and it, it's keeping them small it's a story um so I would, uh, you know for the men i work with i do a lot of stuff to get them out of their head and get them into their body so i'll do sort of stuff like cold showers you know meditation uh, breath work uh and then just noticing how they feel afterwards so that's one way is just getting out of their head because in that they then realize, well, hang on a minute. I'm not my thoughts. I don't need to be my thoughts. I can be mm-hmm. whoever I want to be. So then that's kind of, that starts that process, right? As you said, you know, realizing you're not your thoughts is the start. It's, it's, it's incredibly powerful and profound experience or insight that. So firstly, it's like getting out their heads, getting out their heads and getting into their body, cold showers. Um, and then, and then developing courage you know developing courage is like a a muscle um and sort of falling in love with their future self falling in love with the person they want to be and then building the systems to to get there and you know starting small starting small and and building just actionable steps that can get them there and then just noticing how they feel noticing their aliveness building in that self-awareness as a habit and just sort of realizing hang on a minute i feel alive when i start writing or I feel alive when I'm mm-hmm. blogging or I feel alive when I'm playing five side football. And once you start doing that, that will build that intrinsic motivation because you want to do more of the stuff that makes you feel alive and it will just sort of naturally go from there. So 
Yeah, first, always starts with self-awareness and then looking forward, who do you want to be? Like, who's that person? Falling in love with that person, building the systems to get there and just to start taking small actions and, you know, without actions, it's it's all irrelevant. So it really just comes down to, to actions and consistency and noticing how you feel. It's time for a quick break. There are millions of potential products to buy. So how do you know which ones are worth your hard-earned money? Simple. You go to nextlevelguy.com slash affiliates and explore those that will transform and improve your life. You'll find deals, listener exclusives, and special offers with some great companies. Recommendations are 100% honest and only on items Ian has tried or believes in. The companies showcased will make you a better man in all areas of your life. Simply go to nextlevelguy.com slash affiliates and level up. I just love how you've got a way of making such, which could potentially amazing transformational tips sound so easy and understandable and relatable. And it's not like, you know, you're trying to be like up here and we're down here. You're kind of just going like a buddy going, you know, just talk to me. And it just feels so natural to speak to you. And I think that's something we struggle with is that we're dictated by, you know, you've got to be strong, you've got to be brave, you've got to be quiet. You're not allowed to speak about your feelings. I think there was something like where they said it to like 60% of men said they didn't identify having a, be- a best friend. They didn't have close friends. And I felt that mm-hmm. was terrifying. You know, like imagine not having somebody you can just go up to. And I know girls have this, you know, we all wouldn't take the mick about them going to the toilets together and all that and at parties. And But mm-hmm. we men, why do we feel we have to be strong and dominant? Where I think Aubrey Marcus, when I had him on the podcast, he was the first person that ever talked about having masculine energy and feminine energy as a male, you know, to, to like you're saying, to ask the questions that we're scared about, to go and be vulnerable and open and honest with each other. And I just, I found that like amazing. Like I had Jude Hoskra on, he was talking about using reframing where you look at something as a threat. Instead, you take it and go, how can I reframe this into a challenge? How can I take this into a learning experience or a better way of looking? How do you start Mm -hmm. that? you know do you find it better to work with somebody one-to-one or is it better on a group how do we start building that openness Mm. yeah i I work with my clients both ways but i the way into men for me is is sell them what they want and then give them what they need so (laughs) i i position to men like performance you know performance more money more success you know, better health, better body, you know, you know, I, I position it as that, mm. but the real work I do is, you know, getting them connected to their body, their emotions, their feelings, their heart, getting them out of their head and sort of into their body, taking action. And, and, and the way I kind of do that is position it as a way to, a way to perform better. You know, our emotions, our feelings determine our thoughts, our thoughts determine our actions, our actions determine our results. So I start with that, like, hey, we're in the results game. We want to be healthier. We want to be fitter. We want to be wealthier. We want to be more successful. Our actions determine those. What determines those? Our thoughts. What determines our thoughts? Our feelings. Our feelings and our thoughts feed each other. What's below that? Our emotions. And that's where mo- men don't start, just stop. So if we're not aware of our emotions, we're, we're missing out this whole resource of information that's, a, that's in our body that we can tap into, but if we stop above that, then we're just in our head 
and we have no ability to reframe things. So I position it as, you know, performance. And then what naturally starts happening is they, uh, they start expressing how they feel. And I ask them, how do you feel right now? You know, and, I, and we, we, in my group coaching calls, we do a check-in where we ask, uh, how, how are you feeling in your head, your body and your heart? Separating those three, head, body, heart. And once start, pe people start doing that, they're like, wow, I've actually never sat and like sat with my emotions and explained my emotions. And then the more emotional literate we are, with more emotional fitness we develop, the more able we are to regulate our emotions, that does lead to better performance. It does lead to better results. So it's kind of, yes, yeah, sell them what they want, give them what they need. <laughs> no, I love that. I love that kind of thing of you're almost like playing to their ego enough to get them to get the whole part of them interested, you know, because I think sometimes our ego hides us from taking something on because it goes, oh, no, 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 we're not touching that dark stuff. We're just, we're happy as we are, or, you know, we're not stepping out the comfort zone where sometimes it's good just to go, oh, come here, we, I'll show you how to get a better body, get money, get get girls. And then when you're actually dealing with them, you can start tapping into the, the deeper stuff. Yeah, it's, it's an awesome mm -hmm. way of doing it. And I mean, I know, like I struggled with imposter syndrome for ages. Like I hated going to the pubs and stuff like that. And when I started the podcast, I mean, I can't believe it's 130 odd episodes recorded. I would have normally given up something as soon as it became a struggle. Like, you know, mm. and suddenly this opened up speaking to amazing people like yourself. Mm. You recommend journaling and, you know, you're a big component about 10 questions in a day. How do you find that? Like, is that, how do we start that joyage of, joyage honestly i can't speak today that voyage of discovery the what questions do we ask yourself each morning to shape the day and shape how we're living our life our week our month our year whatever it is mm -hmm. yeah so in, in the morning uh i like to keep it really simple so what what's my one thing today like I, the book, the one thing, you know, had a really big impact on my life. And, and ever since reading that, I've always just had one thing for the day and just been really conscious of just simplifying my life. I really believe that a fulfilled life comes from simplification, subtraction, not addition. So mm -hmm. what's my one thing for the day? Uh, what are potential, some potential challenges and how would my best self be in those, in those moments? So they're probably the two, three questions that I'll ask in, in the morning. Okay. Uh, and then in, in the evening, it's really simple. It's like, you know, what did I do well today? What could I have done better? What will I do better tomorrow? Really simple again. And and that first one is really big for men. You know, what did I do well today? Because most men live in that gap of where they are to where they want to be. And when we live in that gap, we're just going to always come up short, right? Because our future self is ambitious. It's ahead of us. And when we live in that, we're just going to come up short. It's going to hit our confidence. We, we potentially get depressed and, and all these things. And we're just going to beat ourselves up. Um, Dan Sullivan, the coach, talks about living in the gain, not the gap, which is where we look back and we realize how far we've come. Oh. And in that, that builds confidence and fuels more motivation, fuels bigger action, fuels bigger ambition. So I think that's really, really important for men is just to celebrate the successes in the day. Without that, like, what's the point of this all, <laughs> you know? Um, so, yeah, celebrating the successes and then asking what could I, what could I do better. Because so few people actually review their day. They don't even look at, like, 
like since I've started doing a, I was always negative. I hated everything. I was always, it was always someone else's fault, etc. But when I started writing down three things I was grateful for each day, and I tried not to just go a warm bed food, you know, I kind of looked and went, like it was silly things like getting to work from home and, you know, rather than being in a busy office during COVID or I could, I had a really great jujitsu session and I actually felt confident walking out of the gym or something like that, you know. And mm-hmm. when I started doing it, I started noticing, you start noticing little things to be pr- proud of in your life. You know, like mm-hmm. kind of, oh, I am grateful for that. I'm grateful for my sister. I am grateful for my brother, whatever it is. And mm-hmm. at the end, I've started doing this thing called small victories. And it doesn't matter how simple and stupid it is. Like, I took the bin out rather than leaving it on the floor for a couple of days. You know, as soon as I tied it up, mm. put it straight into the outside. For some people, that's massive. You know, for some people, it's I spoke to a guy at work and asked about my raise. You know, whatever it is, mm. like a small little goal, it doesn't need to be life changing. And then you start, mm-hmm. like you're saying, is you start noticing where you are and where you want to be and how you're, what you're doing is how it's fitting in. And I, I think that's amazing. It's, because I used to think oh, journaling, meditation, phooey, you know. What other things mm-hmm. do you find like that that work well? You know, how have you set up like a wake up? Because you're you're one of these evil people that think getting up at five o'clock seems like a good idea. I would struggle like that. Mm-hmm. How you know? Mm-hmm. Do you have a shut down and a wake up routine that shapes your days and builds you and gets you ready for the next one? I know that's about fifty mm-hmm. questions, but. but... <laughs> It's okay. It's okay. Um, yeah. So the, using the concept of uh, Charles Duhigg, the keystone habit, there's various keystone habits in my day, which is kind of that lead, that lead domino that leads to an onset of good positive habits. For me, waking up at, you know, I wake up at 4.45, like Oof. that is my lead domino. And I would never, I don't give myself any choice, <laughs> any choice, but to wake up at that time. I have my alarm outside. I use an app called Alarmy. I have to solve three maths equations to switch off. I don't give myself the option to, to snooze. Mm. And, <laughs> and then as soon as I'm into that, I'm into my morning routine, which is I prime my body. So I'll do some breath work. Uh, I flood my body with positive emotions. So I'll feel gratitude i'll step into a moment perhaps with my daughter or, and i'll relive that moment i'll allow all those positive emotions to flood through my body and then i have a moment of silence five to ten minutes um do some journaling and then i'm into what i call my magic time which is about an hour and a half of deep work and then i have uh, my morning with my, my daughter then i go to the gym so i really believe in yeah bookending your days your morning and your evening that's when you're most in control um and my evening's a little bit more f- flexible. Like I, I obviously getting up at 4.45 does require going to bed pretty early. So uh, like I, I like to be in bed by sort of 9, 9.30, uh, sort of asleep, you know, by 10 absolutely latest. But um, I, I just meditate before bed, a little bit of journaling, and then I'm off. So less regimented in the evening, I suppose. But yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't stay up really past 10 during the week. No, I love that kind of approach. It's like being grateful for something, planning the day, using a consistently. I think um, it was ad, there was an admiral, I can't remember his name, I think it was Richard Walker, and he was saying, just make your bed. If that's Ooh. the only thing you do in the morning. But just having a small accomplishment like that motivates you mm-hmm. to do the next accomplishment. It's like when they say to people, if you're not wanting to go and work out, just go into the gym, change, and do one set of one exercise. And mm-hmm. if you're still hating it, leave. And at that point, mm-hmm. though, most people go, I can do another set oh, I might go and have a play about on that machine. Oh, I've never tried that. And before they know it, they've done a full workout. 
And it's that, like you're saying, that lead domino to get people going. You were talking mm-hmm. about at the time, I think it was, you were talking about thriving and under uncertainty. And you said that you love looking at taking where I had, I had to write it down. It was how to use the stoic philosophy to remove yourself from the end goal and not take it personally. How do we stop looking at things and going, oh, I, I should have done this. Oh, I'm a, I'm a failure because I've not done the 15 things on my list. And instead just go use like stoicism and say, this is what I need to achieve. I'm going to do it. It doesn't put a value on me by not achieving it or achieving it, but it just helps me in my goals. You know, how, how do we use that kind of philosophy and an approach to life? Mm. Yeah, it's, stoicism is um, the, the tools that I love using from stoicism, uh, uh, kind of negative visualization and, and also just realizing uh, that in that kind of comparison, or oh, I should have done this, I should have done that, or you know, I should be here. It's, it's realizing that you are living someone else's dream. There's, there's always someone, however bad your situation, there's always someone that will want your life or you, your life is their dream. You know, there's, and that's when why traveling is so powerful and going to uh, poorer countries, you, you, you have those moments where of just real gratitude and perspective. And there, there's a moment I, I traveled around Sri Lanka and used to live in Indonesia and we used to, uh, I lived near a, um, a rubbish tip and people live in this rubbish tip. And I, 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 that's a moment I'll go back to in those moments where I'm thinking I should have done that or complaining about my life. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just having that realization that I'm living someone else's dream. Someone would absolutely die to have my life. Yeah. And that's just a real perspective shift of like, oh, stop, like, stop this moaning, stop this complaining, like, you know, focus on what you have, be grateful. And, and, uh, you know, and that, that sort of stoicism theory of kind of the way to be happy is to want what you already have. You know, most people's formula for happiness is, you know, once I have more money, once I have the, the job, mm-hmm. once I have the pay rise, then I'll be happy. Stoicism thinks their theory of happiness is want what you already have. And what a, what a wonderful way to look at life. Because you always have like, you know, like, I love that kind of way. It's like you always hear that guy's kind of going, if I have this, when I have this, I'll be, you're know, sorry. And thinking you're complete the way you are. You don't need to change. You don't need mm-hmm. to, you know, if you want to go and do something for you, go and do it. But don't do it because it's going to be, you know, impressing the Joneses or something like that. And I, I used to think that as like, oh, I'm going to upgrade my car. I don't really need mm-hmm. one, but I'm just going to get it because it'll impress my mates. Oh, I'm going to go mm-hmm. and play football. And I wasn't really enjoying it at the time because I, I want to be part of the group of lads and stuff like that. I didn't feel like mm-hmm. I could just sort of fit in without being part of the football team or something like that and it amazed mm-hmm. me if like when i look back now but if you'd said to me i'd be doing the stuff i am now i'd have said you're off your nut you know <laughs> i'm i look back and i'm so grateful for what i've done but i, I think mm-hmm. a lot of people like you're saying they don't have that gratitude they don't under, appreciate that like you know people would kill to have the lifestyle we have nowadays in some societies and it's terrifying when you see what some people are putting up with. I spoke to a guy called Jonas uh, Diekman. He had traveled around the world and that, and he was saying it was amazing just going to like Mexico and things when people had absolutely nothing 
except the mm-hmm. community spirit, the connection between them and how people go out their way to help each other. And, you know, we talk about it on the media as being the worst place in the world and, you know, danger and all these sort of places. And he said what he found was the people were amazing. You know, it's, mm-hmm. but they, they don't have much, but what they do, they'll share and they'll connect and they're willing to go out. And it's a beautiful way of looking at it. Have you always mm-hmm. been sort of interested in the Stoic philosophy or is this something that you've developed as you found out more about yourself? Yeah, it's, it's been a relatively new thing. I, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a relatively new thing. Um, yeah, and it's definitely an area that I really want to learn more about. Uh, and I think there's perhaps a misunderstanding about the Stoicism that they're kind of emotionless and they're very, you know, <laughs> straight <laughs> and actually, um, you know, some of the tools can sound a bit dreary, you know, like negative visualization, imagine losing the person closest to you. It's like, but actually the result of that is like real gratitude and love and appreciation and joy, you know, whenever I'm having a bad day, I'll actually have a moment where I'm like, imagine losing my wife and daughter. And it will only be for a split second, but it just, it snaps me out of it. I'm like, what am I, what am I doing? Like, why am I complaining? (laughs) You know, this may be the last time I ever do this. This may be the last time I ever play with my daughter. Like, let's be here right now. And it's just, Mm. they're just tools to bring us back to the present moment. Um, so uh, yeah, it's, it's, I'm very much early in my journey in, in stoicism. I definitely wouldn't say I'm a stoic, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, but I, I, I really interested in trying to combine. Uh, you know, I'm interested in stoicism, Buddhism. I don't know yet much about it, but I'm, I'm really interested in that neuroscience. Kind of, uh, yeah, just just all of it. Really, I, I'm just fascinated by the mind. I love I love the way that you're kind of all, you're always looking to evolve and grow yourself and kind of find you know play with different things and you know because a lot of people got into uh, stoicism ugh, I really need to learn to speak today um, when uh, Tim Ferriss came on the scene you know and everybody he was talking about it but one of the things he was talking about was how Cato and like the um, Roman um, Republic at the time he would go and like wear the harshest clothes and only eat the the crappiest foods mm. so. He was like, if that's the worst thing, I've already done it. So I know that mm-hmm. I can, that's my lowest point to fall back to. I don't need mm-hmm. to worry about it. And you talked about how fear and struggle and resistance are great teachers. Mm-hmm. How do we use these concepts to realize that that's not saying stop, that's trying to teach you something, you know, like panic, fear, struggle in our lives is actually try to teach you or suggest that we need to change something. How do we learn from mm-hmm. these kind of things? Mm. So there's two things that come to mind. One thing is like consciously inflicting stress. So picking something like a cold shower. Uh, I, I have a weekly workout which I call "Going to My Dark Place," and it's a it's a it's a workout where I'm really fearful. Like I take my body right to its edge, mm. and it's where I go and meet my mind. The same in the shower, right? You 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 switch the cold shower on. There's fear. There's like this story in your head. Like I can't do this. I can't do this. And by focusing on the controllable, focusing on your breath, your body position, focusing on your self talk. By doing that, you regain control of the moment and you bring yourself into presence. Stepping into that cold, you then realize it's actually not it's actually not bad. It's my judgment of this moment that's bad. So using that as a tool to 
you know, understanding that fear is just a story. It's just a judgment. It's just uh, a thought, a belief that you've made up to keep you safe. But using those as a sort of way to like regain control of your mind, regain control of your self-talk. Uh, and then you can then consciously choose fear as a, as a signal of what to step into. So that's, that's kind of, um, that's one way. And then the second way to kind of disarm fear is, is actually what Tim Ferriss says is, is, um, you know, map it out, you know, actually think through what you're fearing, you know, what is the worst case scenario, write Hmm. it all down, go deep with it and then say, okay, how could I prevent that from happening? What would I do if that worst case scenario happened? How could I repair the situation? And in that you realize, well, I'm, I'm fearing nothing because the worst case scenario is really not that bad. I could repair it like that. And I could put these strategies in place to, to prevent the worst case scenario from happening. So actually logically, like appeasing our logical mind and actually logically breaking down the fear is a great way of doing it. And then, you know, using sort of conscious, inflicting conscious stress uh, and using that as a tool to develop mental strength and, and kind of uh, mental fortitude is another great way. Yeah, I just I, I know we're going down like so many rabbit holes, but I was just thinking like I can't believe it's like fifty minutes already. I was thinking we have, we're only just sort of touching the surface on like a lot of things. I would love to have you on again <laughs> and really go into things like. But what happens if we make a mistake? And a lot of people will be starting their journey and they'll be great. They'll be doing their workouts and all that, and then they'll go and have a night out because they can't get out somebody's like um, you know stag party or something like that. And then they go, oh, I'm not going to work out today. Oh, I'm going to have a pizza today. Before they know it, it's like the dominoes just knocked on, knocked on, knocked on. How do we reset, mm-hmm. recover, and recalibrate when we do make a mistake? Is there? Do you have like mantras that you just go, or you know, or do you become so unattached to the motion you're just like, okay, shut down that day, let's get my routine for the next day, and you don't kind of dwell on it? Because I, I used to sit and dwell and hate having regrets and looking back at some of the Mm. stupid things I've done. How do you kind of move on from mistakes? Mm. So um, one, one, I suppose it's kind of self-awareness without self-awareness, you know, it's very easy to get caught in that, you know, vicious circle and spiral out of control. So uh, one, one, it's having self-awareness and some self-compassion in there as well. Uh, I say, you know, there's, there's three things that I kind of say to myself is like never twice in a row. You know, if there's something you regret, just don't do it again. Never twice in a row. Like awesome. I snooze occasionally. Hmm. Just don't do it. Just don't do it tomorrow. I sometimes overeat. Cool. Don't do it tomorrow. And that just maintains momentum. When we lose momentum, it's very easy to spiral out of control. And, you know, guilt can be a useful tool. You know, a negative emotion, again, Regret can be a useful tool because it's giving signs of like when we're not living aligned, when we're not being true to ourselves, when we're not being our best self. So use those as tools with compassion and just say, cool, not again tomorrow, never twice in a row. So that's one thing I kind of say. And then, and then the second is, uh, you know, the worse we feel, the more we rely on our systems. So when we're at our worst, like that's when we need to just lean into our systems. 
uh, that's when we need to just lean into our habits and just focus on, okay, what is that one system, that one habit that gets things going and just focus solely on that rather than the bigger picture. Uh, and then the third thing I'll kind of say is what you do on the tough days determines what you do on the extraordinary days. Like those days where you don't want to work out, where you want to snooze for hours, you don't want to go to work, you don't want to focus, you don't want to, those are the days that you absolutely must. Like the more you don't want to do something, the more you need to do it. And the way we do that is we make decisions when we're at our best to defend ourselves when we're at our worst. So when you're feeling motivated and things are going well, like sign up to sign up to a marathon, buy a pack of personal training, sign up with a coach, sign up to things that will build, become your defense mechanisms, leverage that motivation because the bad times will come. And I think this is a big thing with, with the positive toxic positivity that's going on people forget that the bad times will come and they will come. So make decisions when you're at your best to protect yourself when you're at your worst, those times which will come. And then when those, when those come, you have the systems, you have the defense mechanisms, you have the personal trainer that's waiting for you, you have uh, the coach who's calling you up, you have these defense mechanisms which keep you on the straight and narrow. So um, they're the kind of the, the ways that I would rebound from mistakes. That's awesome. I mean, just that alone would be enough to change people's lives of how to look at what they're doing and how their their, their day. You know, and I, I can see why you've been such a success in changing people's lives. It's it is amazing the way you can just you feel like you're working on me before. And, <laughs> you know, I know so many people are going to listen to this and go, "Wow, I need to sign up with this guy. I need to work with this guy." But how did becoming a father change you? You know, a lot of people they're fine in their own journey, but as soon as they get a relationship, they maybe fall back. They maybe lose the, the motivation, the momentum because they get comfortable. How does mm. becoming a father like change it? Do you think we should be teaching our kids the things we didn't know rather than giving them things we didn't have? Do you think we should be like, can we push our partners into wanting to change as well? Or is it our own personal journeys? How you know? How do we stop letting a big life go affecting our own journey in life? I I don't mean that to sound negative or sort of egocentric, but how do we keep going from there? Mm. I mean, initially, I found it a little a little bit challenging. There's you know, there's this other person demanding my time, and at the time, you know, I'd, I was very I'm very purpose driven. I've got a mission. I love what I do. Uh, I love my routine. I love, you know, all these things. And then there was this other person that was demanding a lot of that time. So um, I won't lie. Initially I found that very challenging. Um, But as kind of time has gone on, she has become, she has taught me so much about life more than I'll ever teach her. And I just cherish every single moment with her. So for me, she's really taught me the value of time and she's taught me to like really engage with the present moment, just watching her, just, she's so fully present. Obviously she's not thinking about the future or the past. She's fully present. She's also taught me mm. and taught me about expressing her emotions. Like, you know, when she's sad, she'll cry. When she's happy, she'll laugh. You know, she, she's fully engaged. She's fully present. She's she's fully authentic and, and just expressing her truth. So she's teaching me way more than I'll ever teach her. And, you know, she's become a big part of my mission, my purpose, my, my values. And uh, she's actually made me 
far more focused, far more effective, because I want to do as much as I can to spend as much time with her as I can. You know, I, 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 I won't work past five, you know, from five to seven, that's my time with her. I have an hour with her in the morning. I work from home often and, uh, you know, spend hours here and there at lunchtime and what have you. And I don't work weekends because I want to be with her. So she's actually made me far more effective with work because she's made me realize my own limitations. I've got less time. So in that, I've I've made harder decisions, tougher decisions. I've started yeah. to make higher leverage decisions. I've started to say no to more. And the things that I say yes to, because I've made tougher decisions, I'm all in for. I'm more effective. I'm thinking higher leverage. And because of that, my success has actually skyrocketed because I've started making those harder decisions. Had mm-hmm. I not had her, you, you you don't realize your own limitations and you can carry on working till 11 p.m. You can work on the weekends and blah, blah, blah. And because you think you can do it all, you don't say no. And you yep. say yes to loads of things. And then in that, you value your time less, so you take more on, then your mind gets scattered, your, your attention gets scattered, you then get, <laughs> you can feel ang- anxiety from all the things you could do, and you're, mm-hmm. you're far less effective, you know, and, yeah. and actually having a, having a baby does the opposite, it's like, it, it reminds you of your own limitations of time, and then it makes you, it forces you to make tough decisions, and in those tough decisions, you start to value the decisions that you, you you say yes to, and then you're all in on those decisions. And my whole pr- principle in life is just to be fully engaged. Like wherever you are, there you are. Be there. It's, it's great because I've been. I'm an uncle to three, and um, you know, two nephews and a, a niece. And it's amazing when you look at them and you go, they don't care about the past. They don't care about the future. It's all just mm-hmm. about the present and doing things and learning. And it's their curiosity, the joy, and it's like. And it makes you a better person. I love mm-hmm. being able to hand them back, which is great. Mm-hmm. You know, I love being Uncle Ian and doing the crazy stuff and the wrestling and all that with him. But I would love I'm definitely wanting to become a father later on. And I think that's what for a lot of guys it's having something that something depends on them. You know, that you can't and it's like that um is it Prato's law? The amount of time that you have for something, you'll you'll fit the task into it. So if you've only if you've got a weekend, you'll do you'll spend all weekend on a job. If you've only got half an hour, you're only going to spend half an hour on something. You're just going to get it done. You're going to cut out the crap. You're going to do the essentials. And I think having kids definitely does something like that too. I mean, until we can get around to, I'm like I'm really disappointed to have to end. I mean, what would you want people to take from this? What do you want them to remember as an overall message? Um, before we get into like the social media handles and things, what would you want them to? Like, is there homework you would have them do? Is there, a, like, a mindset shift you would want them to be thinking about? Mm. Big question. Uh, I feel under pressure, but I would say, <laughs> I would, I would say, uh, I would say, take responsibility for your life. Lean into discomfort. Use discomfort as a signal of what to do, not to what to run away from. And. I mean, let's just leave it there. Take responsibility for your life and start using discomfort, resistance, fear as a signal of what to do. And you start doing that, you start building that courage muscle, you start stepping away from comfort and stepping into that courage. Life will become exciting. It will become fulfilled. 
you know, it's scary, it's hard, <laughs> but it's so much fun. It's so much fun. And you've probably experienced it with launching this podcast, right? To put yourself out there, to reach out mm -hmm. to guests, to do all these things. That is, that's brave. It's courageous, but that feeling of after you do it, that fulfillment you you get from stepping into that fear is just, it makes you feel alive and then you want more of that. And, um, but it, yeah, yeah. Take, take responsibility, lean into discomfort. Um, yeah, I'd say those two. There's many things, but I, I would say those two. Because <laughs> it is scary. I mean, when you come away, like I never feel like I'm the same person after another an episode. You know, your mm. comfort zone or your your starting point is slightly different because mm -hmm. the, the guest has opened you up into changing or something. Do you find that we, mm -hmm. with your clients that working with somebody makes you grow as a person? And do you have like a favorite client transformation that obviously you, there's certain things you won't be able to talk about, but mm -hmm. is there some sort, is there one that you can think about that blows you away when you look at who they were to who they are now? Mm. Uh, I love all my clients. Um, I love all my clients and I learn so much from my clients. I learn so much from them. Um, and they are teaching me to be a better person because, you know, a big part of coaching is, uh, you know, teaching your own nervous system not to be reactive, not to get triggered so you can hold space and be fully present. So yeah. I have to do the work on myself to be able to hold presence and space for them. So they push me, they teach me. Um, it, it's hard to drill down on, on, on a number of clients, but I'll come to the one that's kind of most fresh, who's a, who's a, uh, an incredible guy, but he didn't realize his own greatness and he was thinking small and he had self doubt. He had imposter syndrome and I just got him to see his own greatness. I got him to start thinking bigger and I got him to start thinking like a hundred times bigger than he currently was. And in that just, and we just played, we had fun with it. You know, we, we had fun with it. Like, okay, what if the goal was 10 times bigger? How would you think? And you go, I'll do this and this and this. I go, what if it was 10 times bigger than that? I'll do this, this and this. And I said, well, what's stopping you doing that? He's like, nothing. It's just my own beliefs that's stopping me doing that. I didn't even see that as an option because my beliefs have created a, a wall around me that I don't even see those as options. So getting him to see those options by just challenging his beliefs and his perceptions. And recently he's just won a huge, um, he's, a, he's a research fellow. He's just won a huge grant from the government uh, to go and research nuclear fusion. Guy's incredibly smart. Awesome. And, you know, he's he's looking at essentially changing the world, <laughs> you know, looking at ways <laughs> we can create renewable energy in a safe in a safe way. Like this guy could lead to humongous change for us all. And it just came from the fact that he needed to realize his own greatness and think bigger. So yeah, I'd say that's my favorite client. That must be amazing to look at that and think that people like we all have this inner greatness but a lot, mm. i think that's sometimes the biggest regret is people will die knowing that they could have been more um mm. there was a book years ago that i found it was on about writing a bucket list first time i'd ever heard about it and you know they were saying it's like but once you write out your list of what you want in life start going through it be accountable find people to do it with take it off don't just find it in your loft you know with your grandkid and go and they'll ask you what it is and you'll go Oh, and you, that's your life you realize you could have had. 
is mm-hmm. going and finding your greatness and it, it's working with people like you that are going to change mm-hmm. people so until we mm-hmm. can do a round two and be, you know and, and i'm going to push you to the moon when it comes to like links to social media and like putting out your posts and stuff like that how can we connect with you? How can we work with you? How can we find you on like Instagram, YouTube, these sorts of things? Have you got mm-hmm. programs that people can join or how would you start working with you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, probably Instagram is the best place. Uh, I am Joel Burgess is my handle. Uh, I have a group coaching program. It's a 12-week group coaching program. It's called uh, 63 Days to Personal Power. It's all about gaining clarity on your values, your vision, your goals, then building the systems to get there whilst developing a sort of bulletproof mindset. We look at stoicism. We look at all sorts of ways that we can develop a resilient mindset. And then surrounding yourself with like-minded, ambitious people who will hold you accountable, raise the standards, um, it's a game changer. Like every single man that's gone through the program has transformed their life. Uh, and the beauty of it, it's not just a one and done, like you get a system that you can use for the rest of your life. Like I'm all about systems. Um, and that's what you get by the end of it. So that's kind of where I'd start. And I do have, a, a, um, I work with 10 one to one clients at a time. They're very much kind of very top performers, you know, big ceos uh type and i don't have space currently but so the group coaching program is is where to start well that's it for another week and thank you for listening it's now time to take what you've learned and use it to develop and enhance your life with the key points mentioned listen try it embrace it use it and crush it. Now's your time to hit that next level in your life. If you liked this episode, then please leave a comment on the show notes or a review of the show on your podcast platform. Everything helps evolve the show. Until next week, keep seeking the next level in your life.